0: what's up everybody welcome to the artists data science podcast the only self-development podcast for data scientists our guest today is a data science leader with seven years of experience She's also a content creator and podcast host. Hailing from Dalian, a coastal city in China, and having lived in LA and Seattle before moving to San Francisco, she's currently surfing the waves of machine learning and AI at AWS. Her stellar career includes building the first time series forecasting model for advertising at Boingo Wireless and analyzing and helping launch over 100 AB tests at Amazon. And the fall that wasn't impressive enough already, she has a U.S. patent on experimentation that she holds with her colleagues. Currently, she's building machine learning models for AWS customers from various industries to accelerate their business and products. But you might recognize her from LinkedIn, where she shares data science wisdom and career tips. Or you might recognize her as the host of the brand new stellar podcast called the Data Scientist Show. So please help me in welcoming our guest today, podcast host extraordinaire, the incomparable Daliana Liu. Daliana, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come onto the show today. I really appreciate having you here.
1: Yeah, thank you, Harpreet, for inviting me. My
0: absolute pleasure, man. I've been trying to get you on the show for I don't know how long, man. I remember messaging you back in like mid 2020, like please come on my show, please come on my show. Yeah, I've, I've I need me-
1: to learn from you. You follow up.
0: Yeah, that's right. Do. do you remember that one time like I created a song for you? It was like to the to the tune of that song Lamo. I was like, Daliana, <laughs> no, no, <you> don't remember? <laughs> I think it was it was in, in the chat uh, messages. Look it up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude, super excited to have you here. Been following you for you know quite some time. A fan of. You know, all of your, yeah, I'm also a fan
1: push.
0: of you. Oh, stop it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about you. I know I shouted out your home city in the introduction there, but but talk to us about you know what it was like there growing up.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a city called Dalian in China. It's in northeast China. It's a coastal city. There's a very obvious four seasons. So growing up, we play with snow. In summer, we go to the beach so i always like living in a coastal city that's why after i moved to the u.s i lived in la seattle now san francisco so growing up my parents are really a typical asian parents i like to read but they always ask me to go out play have fun they don't want me to stare at the books too much so growing up, I have the opportunity to explore my hobbies. I like to paint. I took some piano classes. And I really had a pretty happy and stress-free childhood. And it's a coastal city, of course. We eat a lot of seafood. So yeah, I lo- always love to have some fish, sushi. So that's what it's like growing up in China, in Dalian.
0: It's definitely the coastal vibes. Are you a surfer at all? Or did you serve?
1: I only served once, but I got a really cool picture snack. So nice. they got that. A... <laughs> and
0: this is like the most boss move ever. I don't know if you've seen the movie, like The Godfather. In The Godfather, you know, he, he takes the last name Corleone, which is the name of the city that he grew up in. And then you took on the name of your city. Seems like. Yeah, Talk to us right. about that. So,
1: yeah, basically the city is named after me. That's <laughs> what I usually say. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a. Chinese name, but it's really hard for people to pronounce. And then I still want to maintain identity from my root. So I found Daliana is actually a name, although it's probably a a Spanish name, but it's a beautiful name. So I took that name. And also it's easier for people to remember. That's how I got this name. Thanks for asking.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely love that, man. It's such a, like, it's like the most boss move ever, dude. Like, I wish I could name myself Sacramento. That wouldn't fly (laughs) as well with me. Uh, So when you were in high school, like what did you think your future would look like?
1: Yeah, in high school, I went to high school in China. So it was very competitive, a little bit stressful. So actually I don't think I think about my future that much. It's more like you study all the time. You try to get to a good university. But one thing I always wanted to do is I like design. I like to write. So being a writer is one of the things I wanted to do, which is interesting. I'm doing a lot of writing today, either as a data scientist or as a content creator. And as a designer, I didn't get to study design in college, but I got very excited when I started to learn data visualization. Oh, I can finally use some design muscle to decide what color I want to use, what type of design. And uh, if you think about writing any data science analysis document, you have to use some design thinking to see how can you present the information to your audience? How can you make them understand what you're talking about? So it's interesting to see how what I wanted to do in college influence what I'm doing now. But, you know, even data science is a new field so there's no way I wanted to be a data scientist when I was in high school and uh, I think I liked math, but I didn't think I would study math in college or make a living out of it. So I would say I probably didn't see what I where, what I'm gonna do today when I was in high school.
0: So h- what about how you? you? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, my my road to data science is long and windy, dude. Like, yeah, like my journey started like in, you know, realistically 2001 after I like, you know, messed around for a bunch of years, bounced around and, and did bad stuff and then got back on track. Yeah. But for me, like, I, like you said, data science never was really the, the thing back then. Right. So I graduated high school in 2001 and you know after i graduated high school i just went on like a very bad path for several years and then finally got my act together by this time i was like 21 and Mm -hmm. it was like 2004 when i decided to go back to school then even then when i went back to school like i just see get degrees that was my mentality right yeah and then ended up going to like grad school and all that stuff so my vision for myself was i was going to be an actuary because i was like okay well i've I like math. I'm kind of good at it. What's the, you know, the job that I can get that'll get me paid with this particular interest and skills that I have. So back then, 2011, it was actuarial sciences. So yeah, full 10 years ago. So then I went to grad school and took a bunch of exams and then started working in actuarial sciences and realized that it was actually predictive analytics and predictive modeling that I like best. And and then other stuff happened, and you know, got derailed off that path, and now I'm back. So yeah, long and winding road to get to get to it to to this point. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I always loved, always loved math. So I guess, how did you kind of gravitate towards math, having this interest that seemed a bit like honestly like artsy kind of interest? Like, did you see any kind of art in mathematics? Is that what kind of drew you to it? Like, what 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 was that pull?
1: Yeah, so it wasn't the art. <laughs> Of it. It's more like I didn't know what I wanted to study. I wanted to study design, but I also wasn't so sure about that. My parents want me to study math. They think if I later on want to do something else, math can lay a good foundation. So I just listened to them. But when I started to study math in college, it was hard. I didn't like that. It was very stressful. And I even resented my parents for suggesting me suggesting me to study math. So then I didn't know what I wanted to do to find a job. That's when I started to think, okay, maybe I should study statistics. Uh, By the way, also a lot of my classmates went to study actuary. And uh, I think statistics is more tangible at that time for me because it deal with a lot of uh, uncertainty. So I got excited about using that to solve real world problems. And then I think at that time I started to enjoy what I was doing more. So that's kind of my journey. I, and also like a side story is the reason I have to pick math as a major was because in China we have this college entrance exam. You do the exam and then you pick a major. I did terrible. In math. So that dragged my entire score down and I didn't have a lot of options. So it's kind of ironic. I didn't do math and I ended up studying math. And then it's very interesting. So I think when you're in school, when you started your journey, you always want to do more advanced, fancy stuff. When I started working, I also want to learn more machine learning, deep learning, all that. But now I started to go through some old statistics or math textbooks. I started to appreciate the art of statistics and math. And I wish I learned more when I was in school. Because at the end of the day, if you really want to give people advice, want to be creative in your solution, you have to get, be good at the foundation. And it really takes multiple time to really understand something. So now I think I can finally understand the art of math or stats. It would be weird it, I used to dread doing homework, proving the theories. But now sometimes I pick up the book, maybe I, because I already understand most of it. When I look at that, it's kind of like entertainment. Maybe I read some statistics book, review some statistical testings after work over the weekend. So it really changed the mindset.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. I like to revisit the basics as well, but I like to do it yeah. in as fun a way as possible. So I've, I've stumbled upon these uh, books that are called like, the manga guides, and like the cartoon guide series so there's like the cartoon guide to calculus cartoon guide to like
1: really uh, yeah, oh, that's yeah cool. was so
0: good yeah they're, they're amazing there's like the cartoon guide to calculus cartoon mm-hmm. guide to computer science and manga guide to linear algebra all these things but i'm a huge fan of that and I, like like i love 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 mathematics but i feel like as data scientists we don't even get to explore like the most interesting and weird and fun parts of mathematics Like, yeah. like 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 geometry i love geometry but then there's you know when we think of geometry, mostly think of like flat geometry. But then there's like topology and geometry on like different surfaces. And then there's like prime numbers and number theory and Riemann hypothesis and all this crazy stuff out there that that I feel like you know we should probably do a little bit of research on. And then even yeah. like the philosophical aspects of it, like you know, incompleteness theorem and things like that. They're so, so fascinating. Yeah, I love math. Yeah, you mentioned the writing a couple of times, and you know, actually I've I've noticed this. You've made a this a point in some of your most recent content is the importance of of writing. You mentioned that you know as n- not only as a content creator but as a data scientist part of your day to day includes doing a lot of writing. So uh, talk to us about that. Like how does writing fit into your day to day? How is how has writing been an important element of success in your career?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. If you think about data science work a big part of it besides getting data, right? A big part of it is to translate the business problem to a data science problem. And I think being able to write it down in complete sentences instead of bullet points really help us to think about things clearly, right? What is the standard? what is the measure of success? and why are we doing this? Sometimes maybe halfway when I'm writing something, I realize, oh, The whole approach I'm thinking about this is probably wrong. So I think writing is a way to help us think clearly. So that's very helpful when you're approaching a problem. And now when you completed a project, you want to present it to your stakeholder. You also want to write about your conclusion. And maybe you want to use different type of languages or different type of layout when you. Send this report to business owners or science peers. I think it's also important because a lot of people don't have the background of the problem you're solving. And if you don't talk about it in a way that's easier for people to understand, they might be confused. They don't know how to give you feedback. So I think that's another important part. And and also, a lot of times you want to write down some best practices so for your team to review this document, transferring this knowledge, so you don't have to always teach people how to do things. And during the process, when you communicate with stakeholders, you send emails or Slack messages. This all is writing. So the core of it is how can you make something complex simple, and how can you use the other person's language to speak to them. And another level of it, to be a good writer, you have to have a lot of empathy. So basically what you're doing is make the other person's understanding easier. So a lot of times we think if you are a good writer, you write a lot. There's some mistakes I made. You present all your findings in the long ass email and send it to people. But it actually makes it very hard for people to understand. So they're saying that, what is it? It's, I don't have time to write a short email. Writing a short email is hard. You have to think what's the most important thing you want to talk about in the beginning. How, what is your call to action? What type of response you want to get from the other people? And a lot of times science findings are nuanced. How are you how are you gonna present it without Mislead people. So, if you're able to summarize your entire research in, say, 200 words and send to your stakeholders, and they can understand it, they can give you feedback or even, you know, on board with the next steps, then that's very successful. That helps you to get resources as a data scientist and also help you build influence for for your team and basically people will actually use your solution and that's very powerful
0: absolutely love that that that's so many good points in there man like especially the part like you know writing is thinking like writing helps to you clarify your thoughts but yeah that, that quote i forgot who it was but it is like yeah, if i had more time i would have written a, a shorter letter <laughs> yeah how, how do you how do you suggest people get better at writing is it just like going through like a Like business writing class, like Mm -hmm. one of those free business writing classes? How did you get developed that skill?
1: Yeah. So I think first I'm interested in writing. So I pay attention when I read articles, you see how other people construct their either science blogs or maybe some newspaper articles. So pay attention to the type of writing you find that speaks to you. Everybody have a different style. There's no universal style. So if you really like a writer, read what this writer is writing about and then learn about their, their style. And another blog post I found very helpful was do you know this writer? His name is Scott Adams.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. Day, you, the day you became a better writer.
1: The day you become better writer is so yeah. short yep. and it's very powerful. I think maybe we can just share what we can remember with the audience. So basically, remove principle number one, <laughs> remove useless words. Instead of saying something, it's very good. Just say it's good. And what are some other principles? I think this this is probably just the most important thing. And when when you and also don't write long sentences. It's very hard for people to combine all those pieces. Try to see if you can break it down. So, it's very easy to write long sentences, but have the awareness, okay, it's too long. See if you can break it down into a few sentences. And also don't use the passive verb right Mm -hmm. to say who i i want to do something instead of saying like something is being done and also he talked about creative writing if you sometimes maybe you want to put use a verb that has more motion, that's more exciting so that's some word picking that might not be useful for scientific writing but i do think it's helpful to make the sentences shorter a lot of times when i write on LinkedIn, write my LinkedIn post because I love that LinkedIn has that word limit, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go past the 1300 word, you cannot post it. So I have to trim it. So I spent a lot of time trimming my sentences and then I realized, oh, instead of writing a full article, maybe I just need three sentences. People will get what I'm trying to say. So whenever you're writing, ask yourself, can I make it shorter? Can I make it more clear? And uh, I think those are some very important things. If you do that, you're already better than a lot of people. And uh, another thing is to get feedback, similar to doing your data science project. You don't have to get feedback when you feel you're ready, you're finished, because it would never be perfect. Just have once you have a first draft, even just a beginning or outline, ask people, what do they think? And I think having that feedback and iterate is also a good way to write better articles.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that. Yeah. The day you became a better writer, go look that up. That'll make you instantaneously, like literally a better writer within a few yeah. minutes. It'll take you, you know, part of the way there. You still a lot of practice, but that book like really got me into like writing and business writing. After I met that book, but that blog post, after that blog post, I picked up like business writing for dummies went through that entire thing and a couple of like court LinkedIn courses on business writing and it just, it helped so much. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent recommendation. I I love that. Have you read any of his books? Like sometimes I feel like, I feel like you're in my head sometimes. Yeah.
1: I read his book. What is it? The one Goss Debris
0: oh yes that one's oh, one so
1: good he talk about crazy. probability what if yep. probability is god's yeah. language so i'm like woo! yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> that book is insane i love it it's short too it's like i'm looking at it right now yeah
1: i highly recommend pages, if you love yeah. math probability and if you think about life do we live in a simulation if you <laughs> you know ever thought about that kind of stuff highly highly recommend
0: yeah Can yeah do you live in a simulation daliana what do you think
1: I think we mind it's like yeah, there's probably. no way to prove we're we're not living in a simulation
0: yeah i was watching some youtube videos about like kind of just like the nature of consciousness and what it means and like technically all of us are living in simulations yeah. because we're not actually seeing the reality very objectively it's being filtered mm-hmm. through our perception and our experiences and yeah it's just easy to think about that stuff we can go off the deep end for that man but let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's, i feel uh, like that's another
1: one hour conversation exactly
0: man oh we gotta you know one of these days we'll just go off the deep end we'll call it a harp and daliana go off the yeah. deep end. so let's talk more about so we talked about writing but what are some other critical elements to success for someone's career as a data scientist that don't get taught in school
1: mm-hmm Yeah, I talk a lot about that. I just feel there's a big gap between school and the real world when you work in the industry. I think one thing is in school, you always have a perfect answer. There's a right and wrong. You have a grade. But in reality, a lot of the solution you developed, maybe there are other ways to solve it. And you solve it in this way doesn't mean it's wrong. So I think have the mentality that there might be different different ways to approach a problem, help us be more confident when we deliver a solution. If your solution meets the business goal, solve the customer's problem, then it's a good solution. And people say there's no perfect model. There is a model that solves the problem. And also i talked about before in school, you finish a course, right? You submit to your homework. But in reality, you need to constantly get feedback from your manager, from your peer, from the stakeholder. I think this mentality to okay, build something crappy is not good. But I need to show it to people and then I can iterate. We don't learn this a lot in school. And even some school project is usually, you know, you you spend a week you just kind of crash it and you don't really learn how to get feedback and also how to form your hypothesis right there is sometimes no clear way to translate a business problem to a data science problem and you need to learn how to ask stakeholders hey how do you measure success okay when you say you want something good what is good right what is something that keep you up at night so you need to Think about basically I make this meme like data science are like Sherlock Holmes you need to figure out all the pieces of information you're like investigator but instead of having any weapons and stuff your your superpower is data so we don't learn those type of things in school and also in school to solve a problem we might focus on accuracy and in reality what well, we're of course we still want to have a good model but what we think about is impact sometimes maybe you don't need a complicated model but you want to develop something that really save the business money save people time and i think shift that mindset from se to business impact is, is also important but i don't think the school is completely wrong about it. i think we still need to have a good foundation in a relatively simple, pure environment to learn data science, learn math, and not overcome the young mind so people can just be curious and explore. But I would really wish maybe, say, for data science major students, maybe third or, you know, last year, they can have some sort of project and then to explore and make mistakes and get feedback, collaborate, write a blog post published on GitHub or Medium to really understand what does the end-to-end data science project look like. But don't be scared if you feel you have no clue. Everybody starts from, you know, where we are right now. Everybody experiences the same struggle. So just don't be afraid to ask questions and think about the business problem on the too high level. I think you will learn very fast.
0: So how did you learn these skills, right? So like, these are skills, obviously, they, they can't be taught. So it like, h- how did you pick up on, on these skills?
1: Right. I don't think I can just learn those skills. It's more like I have made mistakes. For example, sometimes I procrastinate on the project because I don't know how to solve it. And also I feel, oh, what if other people think I'm stupid if I go ask questions? So I never ask questions. And in the end... I presented this to my co-worker, to my manager, and they gave me some feedback. Then I realized I actually wasted a lot of time. If I have asked them those questions earlier, I can produce something maybe, you know, two times better. And nobody really told me I'm stupid for thinking about those problems. And then I'm very fortunate to have worked with managers who are very honest about what they know. Uh, they're all expert in their domain but they're telling hey, you're solving a new problem I don't know. I don't know the answer and uh, but we can we can brainstorm we can find other experts to see how we can approach this. So in data science, probably in a lot of uh, tech domain because things moves really fast and we have new problems every day we have to learn to be comfortable with this under skill plane why are you building it? So in the beginning, I feel very insecure about not knowing how to solve a problem. I s- I have the illusion that you know I know all the regression, machine learning, statistical testing, but I don't know how to fit in in the problem. And then in a, in reality, there there is isn't really this magical map that oh for this type of problem you do this, that problem you do that. Everything is different. Sometimes you have to take a hybrid method to do things. And you just need to be creative. Sometimes you need to trust your intuition, but don't trust it too much. Like I said, get feedback. And you have to work on the project. You have to ask your manager to give you a project that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable to exceed your your level so you can grow and learn. And you have to do this by making mistakes but still within the level that you know it's not going to ruin the business and through those mistakes you learn you grow and you have you got your lessons
0: that's such good advice thank you so much Dalianas Uh, I'm wondering like it's a little bit in there's that feeling of imposter syndrome that feeling of not wanting to ask a question because you don't want to be perceived as yeah. not knowing something like, oh, you're supposed to be a data scientist. Don't you know how to do this? Do you f- n- notice this happening a lot with with data scientists of, of any career level?
1: Yeah, this is imposter syndrome. I think it happens for everybody. As long as you're learning new things, you're taking on new challenges, you always feel you don't know this type of thing and you're scared other people might think you're not good enough. So, again, you can get feedback, right? And maybe when you ask a lot of questions in meetings, you realize, okay, I asked the question, but basically everybody else is scared of asking. Probably you doing everyone a big favor by asking a question. And really, what is the risk of asking a stupid question, right? And maybe you look stupid, but if you don't get an answer of it, you also look stupid for longer time until you figure this out. So I don't know what's the solution for that. I think you just need to be comfortable to look stupid from time to time, right? Ask that question. And also, I think there's something an organization can do. You know, there are some people I work with, They're sometimes they just throw in a lot of information at me. And, you know, they don't have bad intention, but they didn't realize, okay, I actually have a gap. I don't know everything. You can't just give me a script and I would know what's going on in your code. And then there's some other people I have worked with. They have the awareness that, hey, by the way, I know it takes a lot of time to figure this out. Don't be afraid to ask me questions. So I've learned that that's very helpful. That make me feel comfortable to ask questions and look stupid. And when I start to mentor people, guide people, I've learned to say things like that to try to understand where they are when I start to work with them. So if you, and then also as a data scientist, we collaborate with other people like product managers or software engineers. So if you don't understand their work, don't be afraid to, to ask them, right? I also build a relationship with them, and make them willing to teach you and vice versa. When a product manager or software engineer asks you a question, remember the time that you feel insecure and be more patient, have more empathy for people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love that. I think the biggest shift for me in my career came when I just realized that actually nobody really expects me to know everything. And not only that, if I was to ask a question that would be stupid, I might be thinking about it days later but i'm pretty sure the other person just forgot about it yeah (laughs) right like they just they it was just whatever to them like they're too busy thinking about themselves yeah uh so there's no downside yeah ask the questions right and
1: i also want to add to that if you spot somebody who seems like they know everything they have an answer for everything that's probably a fraud
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah straight up man uh i i I don't know. Is my favorite uh, response to, to everything that, that becomes really hard, man. Because like people come yeah. to me for like these office hours that I do, and they just ask them questions, and like my initial response, I was like, I don't know, man. Like you gotta tell me more. Like, you know, this is it's it's yeah. Anyways, let, let's talk about how your day to day work as a data mm-hmm. scientist. How is this yeah. different from what you expected it to be when you were an aspiring data scientist?
1: Yeah. So when I was looking for a job, I thought data science or data analyst probably just stare at a screen. There are beautiful charts. There are some, some tables. And I just sit there, analyze it. I didn't know what I mean by analyzing data. I just feel like, oh, you come up with some cool ideas and then you pitch to the business. Right. I have the image of I'm wearing some fancy suit and go present, convince people every day. So that's what what I was thinking about the data scientist day to day look like. But actually what you do is, it really depends on what project cycle you're on. For example, in the beginning, you don't even get to look at the data or you don't know what data, whether they have data. You spend a lot of time in meetings to understand a business, understand the constraints what type of cars they're comfortable with, what type of investment they have, are they going to use it? Do they have leadership buy-in? You're asking a lot of questions and then you try to distill those questions into your mental model to decide, okay, what's going to be my next step? Is this project worth my time? And if it is, what type of resources do I need to make it successful, right? So you're doing a lot of things like that. You ask a lot of questions. And once you finish that phase, you start to gather data. So at that time, you try to get a lot of permission. So you're still probably going to be in a lot of meetings with product managers, maybe data engineers, software engineers to gather the data. And then you slowly move to the data exploration and modeling part, and then you start to write some code. But at this time, I still talk to stakeholders to get feedback, to ask them, hey, is this what you want? Or, oh, you want 100% accuracy. My model cannot do this. What what type of compromise do we need to make? And then at this time, you do a lot of iteration. You might create 10 models and you collaborate with other people, maybe more, maybe your science community. And in the end, when you finish something, you start to communicate with your stakeholder more. And you, if this model is going into production, or some type of solution going to production. You talk to some other downstream teams. There could be engineers, product managers again. So as a data scientist, we always have a lot of meetings in communication. And sometimes it's hard to really have the time to build your model, analyze the data. And a lot of times the model is already built. You just need to tune it. So sometimes as a data scientist, I feel I'm doing a lot of talking and also some engineering work. And in some projects, you actually don't get to do a lot of really math, stats work. So that's common. And in some other cases, maybe you are, you do need to understand very deeply in the math stats and the model. So I would say it really, it really depends. I think it's important to have the right expectation. Uh, also, understand data science job is to solve the business problem and not get easily frustrated if you don't get to play with the math or some other part you're curious about. I think it's important for us to have the. Balance. If you're not really uh, learning or using a lot of things that you find exciting, maybe set aside some time for yourself, say on a Friday afternoon or after work, to satisfy your curiosity. So then you don't get burnout from this type of work.
0: My next question was going to be: What are five things only experienced data scientists know? But I think you've listed off a bunch of them yeah. right there. There's a lot of good gold nuggets there. Definitely pause and, and go back and, and rewind that because that was some good stuff there so let's skip that question about five things only experienced data scientists know because he gave us like 12 of them just now uh, what what do most data scientists I guess do wrong when it comes to their career development
1: mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't say I know the answer to like the, the you know the one thing i would just share a few mistake I have made. I think in my career development, I think sometimes I'm afraid to ask business questions to challenge their assumptions. Maybe someone tells you, Hey, I want to do something. And then you're like, Okay, you put your head down, try to develop a solution. And then halfway through, you realize maybe their leadership changed. They have different goals. What you're working on is not relevant anymore. I think it's important to. Always have this type of alignment with your manager. And know that your people say a stakeholder alignment, you do that in the beginning of the project. Actually, you need to do that throughout the project to make sure people still want the thing you are working on. And it's still then, I think, to have a successful career, you need to bring impact to the business, but also you need to be interested in the work you do too. So Sometimes maybe we're just really want to use the most advanced model we just learned and we forgot, oh, this is really not the business need. So I think to balance the impact and also your passion is very important. So sometimes we'll forgot one or another. And also I think data scientists sometimes is not forget to... So one mistake I made is to forget to measure The baseline. So if you're solving a problem kind of already been solved in a manual solution or you're taking over someone else's problem, they want you to improve it. It's very important to get a baseline. Okay, what is the current metric? Not just the accuracy, precision, recall, or whatever, also the current impact. So if you don't know how to compare your solution to the previous solution, then how do people? evaluate your contribution. So I think knowing this baseline of your work is another thing that's very important. And I think a lot of time data scientists forget to gather this data point. That's both important for you to measure the impact of your project. And also from a career development perspective, you need that data point when you write a promotion document, right? Or do interview.
0: Yeah, that point about baselines is super super important because i think you might have made a post about this if i recall it was talking about like the the question that you know what is the best model or how do i know i picked the right model mm-hmm. well you know there's this concept of the multiplicity of good models like any number of models can perform hypothetically well on on data it's just the matter of finding the baseline and then iteratively improving on that so that's the, definitely an excellent point so i guess where would you draw the line between let's say a data analyst and and a data scientist is it like can you point to one scale and be like ah right there that's it that's it if only you knew this one thing you'd be a data scientist does does it work like that What, what
1: are your thoughts around that yeah that's a tricky question i think intuitively we'll say if you are using a lot of scientific method, you're a data scientist. Or I think the stereotype for data scientist and data analyst, data analysts just measure things, create a business report. I observe this trend, business is doing well. And then data, data scientist comes and asks the reason, okay, is this trend real? Uh, so data analyst discover a pattern and data scientist would validate whether this pattern is real or not. So then because to evaluate whether it's real or not, maybe you need to do some experimentation. You need to know A-B testing. You need to know you know causal inference. You need to develop the model to see what's really going on there. But I also observed a lot of data analysts these days can do those type of things as well. And also I see some data scientists, they don't do a lot of modeling. Their work focusing on reporting, building metrics, uh, working closely with product managers. And that's also very important. So I would say the line is blurry right now. And uh, there's really no good and bad. It depends on what you are interested in. So don't focus on the title. I think both the industry and the recruiters are figuring things out. When you're looking for a job, look at the required skills, focus on the skill set, and also look at the tools they're using. If the most important tool they say is, say, for example, TensorFlow, then that's probably like machine learning, deep learning job. And if they're using a lot of SQL, Excel, be a data analyst or BI engineer type of job.
0: Absolutely love that, that statement you made that. That's kind of how I think about it, like, you know, a, in... An analyst analyzes and a scientist discovers. So like the yeah. way I see Oh it yeah, is,
1: you put it beautifully.
0: Yeah. Like the, you know, I think an analyst just kind of uses data to understand behavior, whereas the, the scientist will use experiments to understand some system.
1: Right. So one observes, another one kind of, I don't know, discovers or challenges or innovates. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm something i've been wrestling with kind of philosophically is you know like we're talking about you talked a little bit about scientific methods like wh- what is the science in data science like i've been really trying to like wrestle with this like like you know just this deeply philosophical yeah. question i guess is like are we actually doing science and i mean i guess from a viewpoint of you know something is scientific if we can make a hypothesis and then that hypothesis is able to be disproved then we can say that this is proper science. I think to an extent, yes, I mean, definitely to a 100% large extent, we are able to do that. But I'm going to pause there. I'd love to get your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, I definitely had the same thoughts. Say, if I'm working in a startup, all I need to do is to build a data pipeline, measure the data. And does it mean I don't deserve this data scientist title? I think you can still be a data scientist. A data scientist in some company. I even see, I even have seen data science engineer, this type of role. I think the word science in this area can be pretty flexible. I think the science just means all the elements that's related to utilize data to make better decisions. So you either use data to make decis- decisions or you use the data to simplify some processes. So as long as you're doing something like that, I think it's it's data science. So basically everyone who's playing with data is data science. But I think the data science compared to just analytics, I think there's definitely a element of, like you mentioned, have the hypothesis and test the hypothesis, not just, uh, okay, this is the data I collect and then you immediately have the story. You would do some investigation using statistical machine learning, those type of tools to date that, that hypothesis and not, not to fall in the trap that, you know. if I see something interesting, there's something going on. You know, Sometimes it's just, it's random. I think with that critical mindset is what separates data scientists from uh, other data roles.
0: love that and uh, th- there's a point in there that reminded me of this other post that you you made a while ago and i'm 100 on board with this it's just call yourself a data scientist right like yeah like it's a permissionless field like right? really mm-hmm. anyone can download python anyone can find data you can start okay. coding you can set up a sql server locally on your desktop you don't need anyone's permission to do these things and i was just surprised that like some of the the amount of pushback and like people commenting on this Right, in a negative manner. Like I'm 100% on board with you. I've been saying this to my mentees for a while. Like, dude, just, you know, if you you are practicing data science by doing data science work, even though you're not getting paid for it, fucking call yourself a data scientist. Like no big deal. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts around why people are giving you so much pushback around that particular thing?
1: Yeah, so before I answer the question, I want to say where did I got the inspiration of the post? I saw someone, probably a designer saying, if you open Photoshop, you're drawing something, you create, you know, some simple design, you are a designer, right? And then I was like, wow, the, if someone just created one design using Photoshop, I wouldn't question whether they're designer or not, right? But why we have this type of, you know, kind of gatekeeper thing for data scientists. I mean, yes, data science is hard, learning all the math, the statistics, it's difficult. And like I mentioned, in order to adopt that critical thinking, you have to go through some training. But a lot of people become data scientists coming from some engineering major, or I did a podcast with someone who studied history in college, and then they got into data science through some gradual learning. Maybe they initially got interested in Understanding the business, so they play with some SQL and Excel, and gradually maybe they choose some online courses. And some of them feel, okay, now I also want to get a holistic view of the data science field. I do a master program then, and it's really hard to say at which point they become a data scientist, right? It's it's probably not the point that okay, I'm hired by a company. I think they probably already have the skill set before. So I think I got a pushback because a lot of people just read it, read it worse. Literally, they think I'm lowering the standard. I, I think it's not. It's more about if you want to become something, you can have that standard for yourself, right? If you are you think you're a data scientist, what do you need to do to meet that standard? And also, the we talk about imposter syndrome right? You don't need to feel you're not enough just because you're learning. I'm still learning. If you're asking me some interview questions without preparation, I probably can't answer as well as you are. So a data scientist is someone who solve a problem and draw business value and then apply, adopt this critical thinking and to constantly question, is this pattern true? Is there something wrong? So if you have that mentality, you are a data scientist, and you don't need to let other people to, you know, discourage you. And I have worked with so many great data scientists, just a lot of them didn't have master's degree and or, or did a boot camp. I, and also, I'm not against grad school. If you feel grad school helps you to learn deeper, I encourage you to do so if you have the budget and time. But if you feel you have learned enough, in work or through books you read. And if that's you know enough, you don't have to just feel not enough just because you don't have that degree.
0: Yeah, I definitely learned a lot more outside of grad school than in yeah. grad school. Like I left grad school with not very many skills, which is sad to say. You know, data science is a career you are perpetually learning. You have to be comfortable with that. You have to be comfortable always learning. There's never an end point, right? It's, you know, if you once you sign up for this career, you are at the beginning of infinity. uh, And it's a beautiful, beautiful infinity. Um, There's like two classes of career. Like, I remember just reading some of the comments. I'm like, okay, this guy's, what are you talking about, right? Like, there's two classes of careers, really. There's careers where you legally have to go through a, program to be called that right like nobody nobody can fucking take a a mooc and start you know doing brain surgery like that 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 doesn't happen (laughs) right like you can't take a a series of online courses and you know start practicing dentistry Mm -hmm. you can't even do that and become an an accountant or become an actuary right there's certain fields where there's these hurdles and these keepers of the gate but in tech this doesn't exist, man. Tech is permissionless. It is Mm -hmm. permissionless to get into this. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing your experience that, sorry, your your viewpoints on that. 100% on board with you with that kind of mentality and that kind of thinking. Because I did that for myself, man. Like, you know, I was a biostatistician for five years before becoming a data Mm -hmm. scientist, but in order to boost my ranking in LinkedIn searches, I just changed my headline to say data scientist, right? And more opportunities are coming my way. It's not like I couldn't do the job. I had all the skill sets. Like I didn't need someone to say, oh, you've never been a data scientist
1: before. Right. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Can I just add to that?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: y- you should change your LinkedIn title to the job role you're searching for. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people put things like, oh, looking for a full-time job in your title. That's not helpful. When a are searching for people their your title is very important they're looking for the keywords. so instead of saying looking for a full-time role just put a you know skill set or your data scientist to machine learning engineer and i love that you share the story you change your title right because people looking for relevancy so the i got into amazon because i have a linkedin profile although it's very simple i probably have, uh, I don't know, 200 connections at that time, but my job title at that time was a business intelligence data analyst, and the recruiter was looking for a business intelligence engineer candidate. So I guess there's overlap between business intelligence, but I think it was lucky they reached out to me because in some other company, maybe it was just called statistician or data analyst. So if you are looking for a business intelligence role, and you, of course, if you believe you have those skills, be intentional. Y- your current business title should be business intelligence. If you have business intelligence experience, or same for data scientists or machine learning, machine learning engineer, maybe your current title is focusing on say risk or fraud research. I have a friend that his business title is like fraud engineer. I'm like, what is supposed to <laughs> mean? Right? Yeah, I get it. It's your title in your company. But it's not helpful for recruiters to discover you. And your your the major headline doesn't have to be your company's business title, right? Your company business right. title can stay in a job description in your you know, resume and stuff. But the most important highlight, if you are looking for a machine learning engineer role, put machine learning engineer there. Don't put some, you know, the things that a recruiter w- won't understand.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Like for me, like right now, like first thing on my headline on LinkedIn it says at you know the time of this recording, it probably stay there. It says philosopher. Like I didn't study philosophy in school. I didn't get a PhD in philosophy, but I read a ton of philosophy and I practice a lot of philosophy. Like I yeah. do a lot of philosophizing, and that's how I view myself. Like I view myself first and foremost as a philosopher mm-hmm. above everything else. So yeah, I'm gonna reflect that in in my headline because that yeah. is how I view myself. It's a self image.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also that reinforces you to think more about philosophy because, you know, I believe you're not a fraud. I'm not a fraud. When you put it there, you know you have, think a lot about philosophy. You read books and then it also motivates you to really live up to the title, right? So, yeah, actually when when I just met you on LinkedIn, I'm like, who is this guy? You know, philosophy. philosophy. (laughs) But now when I get to know you, I know it's actually authentic to you and also that's what makes you unique right i don't see anyone in data science if you put their title like that like you know i'm not i think if you identify something that make you special uh, just own it
0: this is one of the topic of, of linkedin and just kind of speaking from <clears throat> my own frame of reference man i feel yeah. like it can get incredibly tough to find a voice for yourself on linkedin and just through content creation especially when you 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 know, want to say something that hasn't already been said, how do you try to ensure that, you know, you're providing as fresh a perspective as possible with the content that you create?
1: Yeah. So actually it's funny when I'm creating content, I'm not thinking about if that's fresh, it's just, I started because a lot of people ask me, how did I get into data science? So I think maybe it's easier for me to just share my experience. And then I start to realize there hasn't been a lot of people providing good advice in getting into data science and how do you grow your career? And maybe sometime I do know some of my opinion is fresh because it's some idea stuck in my head for a a long time and i'm really grateful that i have this platform that i can share my thoughts otherwise it's just gonna explode in my head and you you know when you go out with your friends you can't just say hey i have the thoughts about data science career i'm just gonna tell you so i would say when i write on linkedin first i write for myself It's it's that i want to express myself and then i know it, it also benefits other people
0: so what what are your thoughts on what it means to be to be a data science influencer?
1: Yeah. So, I guess some people call me that, but I also feel it's like a funny word like to be an influencer. I think it's more like I maybe I'm just a writer. I'm sharing my journey. I really love sharing the mistakes I made. I think especially when people say, "Oh, you know, she's a senior data scientist working at Amazon." And even she made those type of mistakes, and people will feel, you know, maybe I can also get there. Data science role is not intimidating. So I really try not to take data science influencer, you know, quote unquote, too seriously. I think I just kind of want to have fun with it. But if there comes with any responsibility, I think I want to create an image. People can think being a data scientist doesn't mean... We're just thinking about math and coding all the time. We love nerdy jokes. We are philosophers. You know, we we have a life. <laughs> we are humans and we make mistakes. So I kind of maybe more like want to humanize data scientists. And that's actually a motivation of why I want to build a data scientist show, the podcast, to give people a 360 degree of how they become who they are today? Of course, what are the cool things they're working on? But what's their career journey? What are some mistakes they made? Who they are when they're not doing data science?
0: I absolutely love that. And if you guys want, Daliana will talk nerdy to you through her newsletter. I just <laughs> read them. All. I think today was one that came out. Great newsletter. Definitely to sign up for that. I'll leave a link for it. You know, in the, in the show notes, yeah, we'll, we'll be thanks. sure to link to that and, and your website. But let's get let's get into your podcast though. The Data Scientist Show. Talk talk to us about that. Like. How did that idea come into your mind that, you know, you want to start a podcast?
1: Yeah, I will say maybe you're one of the inspirations. You're doing a great job for the artists of data science. I think you tried to be the, I think you're already the, the Tim Ferriss of a data scientist podcast. You And I really love that you don't just talk about data science. You have a hybrid of content. You interview data science you also interview someone who ha- does something not related to data science but into personal development and guess what everybody needs personal development right and uh, for me i it in the beginning i always enjoy having conversation with the people like i'm really enjoying our conversation right now in the beginning to be honest before i come here i'm a little bit nervous i think maybe this is like the first or second podcast i did because i'm pretty selective in going on the podcast Ooh. well thank yeah you. Thank you. <laughs> but i i accepted the uh, invitation because I already know you. I know we're going to have a great conversation. So I think why don't I just do something I really enjoy and I know other people will learn from the conversation. So it's a win-win because sometimes when I talk to my data scientist friends, I would be like, damn, we have really good points. I wish we can record it that, right? Sometimes I write, write it down and share that on LinkedIn. But I think the audio format is pretty cool because if I imagine, some of my followers going on a walk and listen to me talk. I just think it's it's something really cool, and I want it to be easy for people to listen to, so they can learn while enjoying this conversation. So that's why I also call it a show. It's not like a tutorial or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love that the the format. You like you're interviewing people live and direct. Like I absolutely love that. That's such a. That... Like that's so key. That's such a crucial element, I think, with the with the video element of the podcast. The way yeah. you do that is it's absolutely amazing. So
1: Yeah, and also sorry, yeah. I don't I don't know if you noticed this. They also give you an excuse to have interesting conversation with people you normally don't talk to, right? Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. hundred percent. Like nobody else would want to talk to me if I didn't have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: I don't think so. for example, I met this great professor, Conrad Cording. Mm. he's a professor in neuroscience and the mutual friend introduced us without this podcast there's no way i can talk to him and learn how he decode the brain using ai and what his unconventional career
0: absolutely love that you got some great people on the show you know nick singh was on there you've had the was it jonathan or or javier from one salting yeah Um, i had jerry lee okay yeah Yeah. and then there's the 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 one that's on my playlist that's ready to get watched was the episode about how to use data science combined with blockchain because I oh, think yeah. that is super, super one. interesting. Mm-hmm. What was the guy's name? Shout that episode out uh, for
1: Greg Osuri. He's the CEO yeah. of uh, Kosh Network. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely tune into that podcast. I, I guess like who should listen to this podcast? Is it like, mm-hmm. a, do you have to be like experienced in the game to listen to it? Or is this, you know, a broad spectrum of, of data scientists like...
1: Yeah, I called it a data scientist show, but it's actually, you can, I, I interviewed Zach Wilson. He's a data engineer. And we'll talk about data engineer, data science in general. If you're a machine learning engineer, you're a data analyst, you're interested in data visualization. So basically anything related to data or career, I recommend you to listen to the show and just enjoy and learn. And also if you're a product manager or you're a software engineer, you work with data science. So I think it's also great to peek into the data scientist's mind and to see, you know, what we're thinking about. Or, you know, maybe you're a student, you want to get in the field and see what do people work on on the day-to-day level? What's their struggle? What's their journey? I think sharing those journey is very important for the community because I can post on LinkedIn every day, but that's just my story. And uh, imagine how powerful it is when you learn a hundred people's journey, right? Mm.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to get Zach on my show. He's resisted all attempts to, of my wooing him. He's me the cold
1: shoulder. <laughs> when yeah. are you gonna be on my show? I would love to have a conversation with you. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely, man. I mean, I'll be in California visiting family in, in December of, of this year. We'll, we'll see, we'll see. Man. We'll, yeah, we'll, maybe we can we'll do try. a live
1: recording. That'll be good. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll be in touch about that. Let's, you know, let's talk about your experience being a woman in tech and a woman in data. I'm, I'm wondering if you have any advice or words of encouragement for the women in our audience, who are breaking into or are currently in our data world,
1: yeah. So they, I don't have a, a you know research data, but from my observation, actually, there are more women in data science than in engineering. So you won't be lonely, even if you are, and that's okay. I think I my previous boss, VP, said something I, I loved. She said, "You, you know, you shouldn't wait." to do something, you know, only when you see someone looks like you who have done it, right? You can do anything if, you know, and you don't have to wait for like a permission to do something. Maybe you're the only woman in your company and that's okay. But when you go into a meeting, you don't have to always think about, oh, I'm the only woman here that's just going to make you nervous. So think about what's going to be, your message, what's going to be your voice, what type of value you're going to provide for the meeting. And just because you're the only woman in the meeting, by the way, it happened to me a lot. It doesn't make me feel intimidated. It made me feel excited. Okay, I'm the only female here. That means I have to say something to represent my group, my perspective, right? Maybe other people, I wouldn't say people would intentionally ignore women's voice, but maybe from their perspective, they will not think about something that would impact female users, for example, if you're working on a product. And uh, definitely there are are going to be, there already a lot of communities for female scientists or engineers, for example, the Grace Hopper Conference. And another thing I haven't, I think it hasn't been talked about, maybe a little bit controversial. I want to to see what you think about it. I, I think one thing is important to go to those community to get support to see, you know, what's other female scientists career journey, but also don't forget to go to those general conferences when it's not focusing on women, because that's what the reality is, you're going to work with everybody. So if you only feel comfortable working with women, and then maybe in the real world, you're, you're going to feel intimidated when you have to collaborate with a, a male collaborator. And also, I have great female mentors, but I also have great mentors, men that, that, that are men. So, if you're doing, you only talk to women in science, you're limiting yourself for other great resources. So, I would say find your support system. Definitely find a group that you feel comfortable. You can, you know, talk about all your struggles, specific for being a woman, but also don't forget to interact with other people.
0: Absolutely love that advice. Thank you so much, Dalian. I wonder what 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 can we do as as I mean, we like me and the other men in data science. Like what what can we do to foster the inclusion of women in data science and AI?
1: Yeah, I think that's yeah. Thanks for asking that or just thinking about that. I think it's to when you have a model when you develop a product, just to think, oh, who's not in the room? right how we include women or other you know minority groups in, in tech i think just having that thought is is important also when it comes to mentorship know the bias so if you if i look at my linkedin messages most of them from men you can say you know there's a base rate there are more male scientists engineers in the field but also i feel guys are more likely to ask for help you know, to demand things. And for women, sometimes we're we don't want to convince people. So maybe at work, if you see someone struggle, maybe she didn't ask you to become a mentor, but maybe you can offer to see, hey, do you need my help? Do you have a mentor? And uh, I think especially when someone just a team to to provide those type of help, whether you are, you know, male or female data scientists, just know that there is a this Type of behavior differences i wouldn't say you know it happens to everybody but at least from my observation on my linkedin messages
0: yeah that's an excellent point i was talking to natalie nixon she's the author of the creativity leap and we're talking about well, She was telling me a story about how like back in back in the days in, in in school like in physics class like anytime there's a question to be answered like boys hands would go up and they'd all have the wrong answer but they wouldn't be, wouldn't be afraid to yeah. just shout out the answer whereas women would would be more kind of reserved and wouldn't want to you know shout out the answer and she's talking about the importance of just just putting yourself out there just do it like you know there's no especially when the downside is so limited right and, yeah. and the upside is, is unlimited. yeah, thank you very much for that Daliana let's let's go to the last question before we go into a real quick random round. It is 100 years in the future. What do you want to be remembered for?
1: Yeah, I think after 100 years, I probably just, just want people to forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I get the gist of your question. What would be some work that I really want to make an impact? I think I still really enjoy data science. I think data science is really cool. It can help us with everyday decision-making I really want to create something that make it easy for everybody to understand data science concept. Maybe I would, uh, don't be surprised if one day I write a cartoon book or tell (laughs) stories with data science. I just think that's something really cool if people read my data science adventure stories. Another thing is I want people to feel seen in their career journey. And every time I share some struggles, people say, oh, you're exactly talking about, you know, what happened to me, I think I want people to feel they're not lonely in this career journey. I think now with LinkedIn as a community, and also with a podcast, I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. I think maybe I can create something that allow people to support each other on their career journey and be authentic. And uh, maybe people can just remember that, you know, some time ago, there was this data scientist called Dolly something something, whatever. And she's a data scientist. She helped people use data scientists to make better decisions. And she really enjoyed her life and had fun and you know, make other people have fun. where're uh, well enjoying their career and their life.
0: I absolutely love that, man. I'm looking forward to a to a like Gilbert esque data science type of comic strip coming out from you. Uh, That would be really cool, man. Yeah. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump into the random round. We'll ask a couple of questions and then we'll go to a random question generator. Okay. In in your opinion, what do most people think within the first few seconds of meeting you for the first time?
1: Yeah, people probably think I'm extrovert, but actually I'm kind of 50% introvert I need time to be alone. So sometimes I do have to explain that to them.
0: I call the very much so an introvert. It's, it's, it's a challenge, man. It's a struggle.
1: Like I need my time to write and think about stuff and then read books. So
0: yeah. You do like journaling in the morning or or anything like that?
1: Yeah. In the evening. And Mm -hmm. usually Friday, Saturday, I write, write down some ideas I write down during the week for LinkedIn posts the week after.
0: I love that. Speaking of, of reading, what are you currently reading?
1: Currently, I joined a new team actually recently and uh, reviewing some forecasting books and uh, old regression concepts. And I'm rereading How Not to be Wrong. That's one of my favorite. I wouldn't say like data science, data science C books. I really love books like that make you have a deeper understanding of the concept through stories. I highly recommend I think you interviewed the author right jordan
0: yeah yeah jordan ellenberg had him on the yeah. show yeah how not to be wrong how our mathematical thinking yeah. i've got an extra copy of his like they sent me like pre-release copies of shape if you want one i'll, I'll send one to you wow yeah, yeah i'll definitely get one out to you sticking <laughs> of books man too too many books too little time i started from this problem can you share a, just a couple of tips on how we you know not to feel bad about not finishing a book
1: yeah, I think it depends on what our goals of reading the book. And a lot of times the author writes something because they think it's important in the system, but it might not be useful for you. So when you pick a book, I think just go into some area where you're most interested in, learn something immediately. You already get a get some ROI from the book. And then if you feel you need to learn a topic in a better system, systematic way, then you can go through the book. Otherwise, if you just think about it, if you read a quote from LinkedIn, you wouldn't feel, oh, I didn't know all the things this person said. You, You still learn something from the quote. So just use the same mindset when you read a book and also know, okay, maybe for the next year, my focus is going to about learning how to write. Then I'm going to read three books about writing. Those are the books maybe I do want to finish or a few chapters. But I'm also curious about biology, but you know that's not my priority. So I might still skim through some biology book, but just for fun. So have that priority in my mind. And when you're not fin- finishing the book that on your secondary category, and you wouldn't make it too harsh for yourself.
0: Go ahead and go to a random question generator. Thank you for sharing those tips as well. You can find more of those tips. You guys, Dalian has a video all about how not to feel bad about reading books. All right. We got the random question generator up and running. First I'm question nervous. is pirates or ninjas? Pirates
1: or ninjas? Pirates. You know, I'm a sea person. I like to be on water.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mountains or ocean?
1: Ooh, can I have both? i yes, probably ocean. Both yes, ocean. Yeah. yeah.
0: If you were a vegetable, what vegetable would you be?
1: I would be... I, w- I would be a watermelon.
0: <laughs> really? Nice. Last one here. If you could live in a book, TV show, or movie, what would it be?
1: Ooh, that's such a great book. A great question. Do I have a favorite movie, TV show? I don't know. What I haven't been watching recently. I think I... Maybe one, two, living, like some history fiction book. Mm. I don't remember the name of it, but I just feel it has some truth in it, but it's also this creativity element in it. And sometimes I think about if I go back in certain time, what would I create? Something like that. Mm. What about you? I, well, I've been
0: really into this show called Foundations. I think. It's oh, I've been watching
1: that too. Okay, yeah. we well, you live there, but it's like you know, the world is ruled by clones and.
0: Yeah, it just it seems interesting just to be in a place where we know that life exists and mm-hmm. we're all in- interconnected in some type of galaxy. Like, yeah, I mean genetic empire thing like that's kind of weird but that's still at the same time like it's actually kind of cool but yeah yeah, it it just be it'd be cool like i'm big into like you know space movies and yeah
1: oh cool Yeah, yeah yeah
0: so daliana how can people connect with you where can they find you online
1: yeah, you can follow me in Daliana Liu, and you can also join my newsletter, dalianalew.com. And of course, listen to my podcast, The Data Scientist Show. And maybe that's too much, Daliana, for you. Just pick a few to follow. Wow. Consume with caution. <laughs> you might get addicted.
0: Yes, you definitely will. Trust me, I did. I'll go ahead and be sure to link to all that in the show notes. The yes, Thank um, you. I'm sure most people already know you and they, you know appreciate all your content as much as I do. Dalian, thank you so much for taking time and your schedule to be on the show today. I appreciate having you here.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: My friends, remember you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big? Cheers, everyone.